Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Hello, and welcome to the Flip Flop Experience Podcast. I am here with my guest, Aaron Holmes, all the way from Australia. So welcome, Aaron. I feel like I should be saying good day, mate, just to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say y'all, and you can say good day, mate, and we'll just I fill know. out all the cliches. <laughs> Get them out of the we way right at the beginning. Say, we don't actually say good day, mate. I've never said that actually in person to anybody. I don't remember ever hearing anyone say it. And I think I was in Australia for a month. So I, I have to agree that it's not that, not as common as we think it is. No. However, we do say y'all all the time. And if we're getting. I do too, because of you probably. I've met a few Texans <laughs> and I love the phrase. I think it, it just encompasses so much everything yeah. you're trying to say down in four little letters. <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's not a good replacement for it. No. You have to, you just have to do it. So I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. I found you, how many years ago? When did you start? So you were a travel blogger. How many years ago did you start your travel blog? I started the travel blog in 2012. That's what I thought because I know I stumbled across your blog um, where you were talking about traveling with your children and you guys were going all over the world and you had little kids and it was so inspirational for me because I think I was pregnant with my first son and Everyone was telling me like, oh, this is it. The travel days are over for you. You won't be able to do it anymore. You better get ready to settle down. And I was like, I don't feel like that's what's going to happen. But I mean, of course, you don't really know until you try it. So when I found your blog, I was just enthralled with um, what you guys were doing. And I loved how well you shared it. And you shared like a really practical, um, you post those pie graphs where you'd put how much you spent really and what you actually ate. You didn't eat ramen every day or whatever, you know, so you could see what it was really like. And I thought that was so awesome. So how old were your kids when you started that? You know, we we thought the same thing, though. We did a trip um, in 2007. I had my daughter in 2008. We did a trip in 2007 before I got pregnant. And that was our last hurrah. We did around right. the world for six weeks and we were like, that's it. Once we have kids, we'll never travel again. <laughs> so I can totally see why everybody thinks that. We thought yeah. that. And then in 2012, when we left Australia, my kids were two and three years old. Okay. Yeah. So they were really small. Yeah. And we, my husband took a while to convince me to do that because I was just like, no, you don't travel with little children. That's no, that's a crazy yeah. idea. And yeah, he had wild. said to me, just six months. What if we just did six months? And I thought that was a bite size that I could handle. I could do six months. So you set out to only be gone for six months. And yeah, then, I planned the whole thing, six months up front. <laughs> where were you going to go during the six months? Just in Southeast Asia, you know. Obviously, okay. we're in Australia, so it was close to home. We started in Bali for two months. We went over to Hong Kong. We did the Philippines, Thailand, and Malaysia. Amazing. And so then at the end of six months, did you go home or did you just stay? No, after six months, five years it ended up being. <laughs> we got to the end of six months and we, um, it was working. We were having an amazing time. We weren't stressed about income. We weren't stressed about anything. And we decided to keep going. We did not intend to go for five years, but we just started going and 
it snowballed into this amazing five-year adventure. It was such an amazing adventure to watch, and you did such a good job of sharing it. Like I said, I was just so thankful when I was trying to read about how people were doing it, what they were doing. Most people like to be kind of mysterious and act like they've got the secret that you don't have about how to travel or how to live as a nomadic family. And I appreciated so much as someone trying to really figure out how realistic these things were, how well you shared all the different parts of it and the realistic parts and what it was like. I always say your kid can throw a tantrum when they're two on the sidewalk in France or the sidewalk in Texas, but staying home won't keep them from throwing a tantrum. We said the same thing. I would much rather be de dealing with tantrums on the Caribbean beach somewhere than home in the suburbs. <laughs> totally. And we did. We had some amazing tantrums. I'll, I think I even wrote <laughs> about a few of them. One was my two-year-old in a treetop in Malaysia. And he was oh having a complete meltdown, but I still, I remember it fondly. I don't remember the one that happened down the road here in, at home in Australia, but I yes. remember that, that tantrum in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a tantrum. I remember in, I was in the south of France and we're just sitting there and I said, okay, we're not going to go inside until you can, you know, calm your body down and stop screaming. And he just sat on the sidewalk and screamed the whole time. People are just walking past me, looking at me in France, you know, like, what is that lady doing? And I was just like, there's nothing I can do about it. This is just where he was jet lagged. It was nap time. There's nothing I can do. And my husband finished all of his lunch because we went to meet him for lunch. He finished his entire lunch and then brought mine out to go because we never did go inside the restaurant. But I would laugh about it. It's a really funny travel memory now. So I'm sure yeah. if I did it at home, I'd be less amused. <laughs> That's right. And you probably wouldn't remember it at home because yeah. he would have just gone to bed. <laughs> Right. Something right. interesting to do in France. <laughs> <laughs> we created a perfect storm for a great memory, I guess. Yeah. So how many how many countries did you guys end up going to by the time you you did decide to go back to Australia after five years? So yeah, so we left when the kids were two and three. We got back when they were six and seven, and we'd done sixty eight countries by then. Sorry, they wow. were seven and eight. Seven and eight when we returned. Sixty eight okay. countries. Wow, that's amazing. Do you think that they, or do they say that they remember a lot of it? How much do they remember? I think they remember the feel of the traveling, mm -hmm. the feelings that it evokes in them and the um, the way they do things in life, the way they've set out to accomplish things. They definitely remember that. They, one of my kids is more outgoing than the other. So the outgoing one remembers a lot more. She's also older. She remembers right. a lot more because she um, milks it still. She, she thinks she's famous. <laughs> So she milks it. Um, whereas awesome. my son, who is who was younger, doesn't, I would say, does not remember as much. But that is why I started a blog, to be honest. I wanted a diary that they could go back and refer to and go, look at these amazing things you did when you were small. And even if you don't remember it, they totally have, the way they run their lives is through a memory of adventure and difference and not meeting the status quo. Like right. so many different elements came into it. Yeah, I totally agree. I started the blog very similarly to you that people at home are just like, what are you guys doing? What is happening? We need to, we need updates, you know? And so it was the easiest way to share those memories and what was happening every day and the logistics with people. But I think it's so nice to have that memory book to look through. And I feel like my, I feel like Jameson probably doesn't remember everything either, but it reinforces the memories when you show him the picture. He's like, oh yeah. I did hold a koala when I was in Australia. Oh, yeah, I did do that. But I don't know if he would recall it on his own. But I think it, if you reinforce the memories, they're there. And it does influence their worldview, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because sometimes I'll ask my son. I remember something about when we have sushi sometimes. He always says to me, oh, do you remember when we tried wasabi 
and again, it's like one of the videos we took and he's just seen the video so many times that he like right. fully has this understanding of that memory and it was the funniest thing for him his first time having wasabi. I love it. That's so fun. So do you travel often with the kids now that you guys have a home base? They are really not as keen as they used to be. One of the reasons I stopped was because they didn't want to go anymore. I um, was not planning on stopping and I went to back to Australia to visit my family over Christmas. I put them in school for one term. I thought it would be one term because they'd never been to school and it was an experience I wanted them to have because they'd never done it before. They did not want to leave school. They were like, we love this. We love having friends. I put them in karate and all these gymnastics. They were doing all these things they had never done before. And I had made a decision as a mother that my kids would come first during the lives, the, the time that they're with me. So I said, so, yes. you know, mum can travel again when you're older. And if you guys, this is the life you guys want to live right now, then I'm happy for you to keep going to school. It was yeah. fun <laughs> for me too. <laughs> it was a so, whole yeah, novel so experience. It's novel for them. They still love it. Both of them still love it. They don't really want to be dragged out of school a lot. I do still drag them out of school because I hate traveling during school holidays. I refuse yeah, to same. Do it. but yeah most of the time they would choose not to come so I will probably make them maybe if I do six to eight trips a year they would be on maybe two to three now yeah that makes sense so when you when you went home you just planned for it to be temporary I didn't realize that I thought you had decided to go home when you guys went back to Australia because I saw you put them in school and do all the things but you just thought it was temporary I wanted it to be temporary. I had always wanted a home base. We were looking for a a new home base. I never thought I'd end up back in Australia. I actually thought, I actually left a lot of things in Kelowna in Canada. I thought that would be my home base in the end. And I considered Mexico and a few other places. And then, um, yeah, when I came back here, I just was like, I have gained a lot of weight during travels because God, food in every single country. You just have to eat it. You do. (laughs) So I wanted to work on that for myself. I wanted to work on my health. I wanted to work on my business. And so the easiest thing to me was, okay, let's just put them in school for a term. We can do all this. Then we get back on the road. But it didn't work out It didn't happen. No. (laughs) Well, it was so fun. I was trying to think this morning when I was getting ready. I started following you before I had a baby and then... We became like internet friends for so many years. We would just chat. I would message you when we were thinking about things or when you posted something and we became internet friends. But then we finally met for real life when you're in Texas. So I remember you posted and said, okay, my Texas followers, if you want to meet up, let me know. And I was like, me. And so I asked you where you're going to be. And you told me you're going to be, I think you're at Great Wolf Lodge in Grapevine. Oh, that was so fun. My kids still talk about that hotel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jameson loves to go there. And I said, um, well, there's a Chick-fil-A close by. And you said, I keep hearing about it, but I've never been to this Chick-fil-A. And I was like, well, you can't be in Texas and not go. So it was so cool because I used to always tell you that I wanted to be you when I grew up. And you did. You became me. You're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's so fun. It's so fun now to know you as as a, you know, colleague because I looked up to everything you were doing and you used to tell me, don't tell me you want to be me when you grow up because you make me feel old. But then we found out we're the exact same age. So it's okay. It's okay to say it. I'm not making you old. I think it was so fun to meet someone that I had just followed what you were doing and thought it was so cool. And you were always so kind and encouraging. But then um, to be doing the things that I saw you do that I wanted to do has been really, really fun to now be doing them alongside each other. Yeah, recently we had, I led a group of women through Turkey, you probably realize. And um, the same thing, I put a call out to everybody who'd followed me. And one of the ladies that came through had actually been following me since the beginning of the blog, since 2012. Oh, when I left that's awesome. 
she, as soon as I opened it up, she was the first one to go, yep, I'm on this trip. I'm coming with you. And that was really amazing for me to have someone who'd been following me for 11 years travel around with me. I loved it. It was so rewarding for me as a person. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I think that is, I have the same thing. I have some people that have been with me since the beginning when it was just a little baby travel blog that hardly anybody followed. And now they're going around the world with me and I think them trusting you with your vaca- their vacation memories and their vacation time is, is really a big honor. Yes, especially for you Americans with your tiny little vacation time. <laughs> yes, with our, our teeny tiny allotments of vacation time. <laughs> That's really it's special pretty. when somebody does that for you. That's true, for sure. I'm always having to um, think about the best way to maximize the time on my tours, trying to put it over a holiday weekend or because that one day of vacation time can definitely make a difference for people. So I try to do it. (laughs) Yeah, you try to do it too. One day I'm going to go on a turkey trip with you. Yes, and I'm going on a yacht in Croatia. (laughs) Yes, do it. So what made you decide? Plus all the food. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the food, all the food tours. What made you decide to start a tour company and what made you pick Turkey? Um, I've been to Turkey a few times and loved it, but my current partner is Turkish and we went together as soon as the whole de- COVID debacle finished. We went together, yes. that was our first stop. And seeing that country through the eyes of someone who is can speak the language, I'd already been eating a lot of the food with him. It was the mm-hmm. most amazing experience. And I was just like, I want to show people this, not through my eyes, but really through his, because he mm-hmm. was the one that was opening it up to me. And it's really special to do a country with someone who can speak the language. You don't get ripped off. <laughs> yeah. You are eating the most amazing things because they know which ones to pick, not just like, let's just go where all the two of us are going. Mm-hmm. And you pick some of the places that you might not necessarily go because the blogs don't write about it or Lonely Planet hasn't written about it. You'll stop at a little <laughs> town. That was one of the best parts of the tour. We were just driving along and we were thinking, oh, if everyone's getting hungry. You might stop for lunch. We went through this town and we saw a, a Sunday market and we just went, let's stop here. And everybody keeps talking. That was one of their favorite moments. It was just this random town. We stopped at a Sunday market. We got like $2 kebabs. Nice. Um, but it was so local and so it felt so good. And everybody was like getting him to go. They're in the market. They're like, can you get this for me and bargain this down for me? And it's very <laughs> handy having someone who can speak the language. <laughs> yes, that is. That is so nice. I found the same thing when I uh, went to Tanzania the first time having a friend whose her husband was Tanzanian and they were there with us the whole time. It made things feel so much more comfortable and easygoing whenever you had someone there that you could say, go ask them how much, you yes. know, or go, go, go figure out which place I should eat. And, you know, of and course you can scary. figure it out with lots of research. Yeah. But it's less intimidating, especially if it's somewhere yes. that feels really different from what you're used to. Yeah. I'm going to have to like use your friend in Tanzania because Africa still sounds scary to me. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can come with me next summer. I'm going to do a family safari. Oh. Yeah, cool. it's going to be so fun. Yeah. It always seems intimidating. Well, you know, out of the 68 countries we did, we never got to the continent of Africa because it did oh, always really? seem quite daunting with the children. I always yes. thought I would do it without them because I was like, how do people do this with kids? Like, is a lion yeah. going to eat my babies? What's going to happen? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a dingo eating the baby, it's going to be a lion. Yeah, we're not about the dingoes. <laughs> yeah, I think that... I was definitely intimidated by Africa, but it was number one on my bucket list forever for both me and my husband. 
And I just kept putting it off because I kept saying like, oh, when my kids are bigger. And one of the things I was worried about is like, is the lion going to like want to come get my little one? You know, like, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. It feels so unfamiliar. And so then I had a friend who her husband was Tanzanian and they would go all the time. But it was it wasn't for business. He was just going to see his family. And then she started helping people plan. And I saw it on Facebook and I was like, wait, what's happening right now? I feel like I missed a step. And she, she said, yeah, we're doing it. We started a company. And so they were actually moving. So they moved a couple of months after I talked to her about it. They moved their whole family to Tanzania and that's where they live full time. And their kids love it. They get to be with all their cousins and aunts and they're going to school there and it's totally different life for them, but they really, really love it. And so she said, just come, we'll show you around. And I was still like, I don't know the the week before I left, I was feeling nervous. And Justin said, what are you even nervous about? Like you've, you don't get nervous anywhere, anytime you take the kids anywhere else that we've gone. And I said, I don't know. I feel like people just tell you, you should be scared. Like you just hear that you should be nervous or scared. So many times that you start to think, am I scared? What should I be scared about? I don't, I didn't know why, but I was like, I know I have her there. I know it'll be fine. And then we definitely put everything to the test because the first thing that Jameson did the day after we landed was get an ear infection on New Year's Eve in Uh. Kenya. But thankfully, you know, I had people there. So it was the same type of deal. I texted them and I was like, guys, we need to take them to the doctor. I don't like, tell me what to do. And so they called a clinic and got us in and we like went to the appointment and went to the draft sanctuary and came back and picked up a prescription and we never missed a beat. That's definitely not something you could you could do if you didn't have local help for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think so it comes Turkey in is very similar. A lot of people think that Turkey as a Muslim country is quite scary. Even all right. the girls that I went to, they'd never been because they were just like, "Oh, is it safe?" And yes. even leading up to it, a couple of things were happening with the election and stuff. And they're like, "Is it safe? Mm-hmm. Is it safe?" And at the end, they were like, "This country is amazing, and it's just normal. It's a normal country." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know why perceive it. People perceive it as dangerous. It's a beautiful country. There is no safety issues whatsoever." And that mm-hmm. is, I think, also one of the reasons I really wanted to share Turkey with people was that the, the perception exactly like Africa right. is that you should be scared of it. Definitely. I think so much of it is um, probably the media messages that we get that make us uncomfortable with things that are unfamiliar. But I went to Turkey only one time. I was there for a day and I went to Izmir in Ephesus. And I was unsure what to expect. It was probably... 15 years ago when I went and I was like, I have no idea what it's going to be like in Turkey. I don't know what I'm going to think, but I loved it. We loved Ephesus so much and we were just pleasantly surprised at every turn because again, when you go into the expectation of not knowing it was like everything was so clean and the people were so nice and the food was amazing. There was nothing that I was worried about that happened and only pleasant surprises. And so I've always wanted to go back. It seems like it'll be an amazing place to explore. That is what the girls said. They were like, it's so clean here. And, you know, on this trip, I did Egypt straight afterwards. And I was oh, like, so jealous. yeah, Turkey is so clean. <laughs> like, <laughs> Egypt is not so clean. And I was like, oh, this is probably what they were expecting for it to be like this. But it was, it's definitely not. It's a European country, not a, not a Middle Eastern country. Yes, yes, definitely. And that was what our guide had told us, too. She said that people have a perception, but lots of the areas are very westernized. And that's the thing that I think I enjoy the most when I go somewhere that defies my expectations or surprises me is that often you think people are so different or things are so different. And then you get there and find out that nothing is really that different. And people are just people. Yes, that's one thing we always say everywhere you go around the world is actually, people always ask you, my top question I get asked is, is there somewhere, you know, that you, sh- you, you shouldn't take the kids? Or right. what is the best family vacations? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I've never been anywhere that I couldn't take my kids. No, that's not a question. <laughs> Everywhere is family friendly. Everywhere right. has kids. 
Everywhere. They all have families. Yeah. They all have families. Everywhere is the same. Yeah. I think the same people. A great Balinese thing. Same, same, but different. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good, that's a good expression. People ask me, you know, where was the most kid-friendly place that you've been? I always end up making the list unreasonably long and probably unhelpful answer because I'm like, in Greece, they love kids and Italy and Ireland and Spain and Colombia and Africa. They were really great with my, you know, Tanzania. And I start listing all the places and it's like, well, that wasn't very helpful because I just listed all the places I went in the past three years, but they were all great. (laughs) And the ages though makes a difference too. If somebody was asking me that, the answer would be long as well. It would be because in Bali, they think that babies are a gift, real gift from God. So if you're taking a baby to Bali, they are in awe. They are fascinated. You can go to a restaurant. They will take the child, amuse Mm -hmm. it, hold it. You can eat your meal. That's never happened to me anywhere in the world before. So for me, I'm like, if you've got a baby, like, go to Bali. That's the best (laughs) place you can be. Like, But then, you know, with my teenagers now, they're looking for something exciting. And so it's completely different. So if people are going, where do you want to go on vacation with kids? I agree. That's a super long answer. How old are your kids? Where do you live? How much have you got money to spend? And then the answer my kids would give is different as well. Their favorite place would be different to my favorite place that I took them. (laughs) Yeah, I think that... I've actually had a lot, just a lot of countries that experience with little kids in Greece and in Italy, both. I've had people like take the baby or entertain them or always one time one of my kids was asleep and they put two chairs together, the pillow so they could lay down while I could eat and not have to hold them while I'm eating, you know. And in Tanzania, when we were there last year, Jilly was little. She was like two. And if I would get up to go get something from the breakfast buffet, I'd come back and the, the waiter would be like cutting up her eggs and feeding her. Just oh. so helpful. And, <laughs> and then nobody would like plop a high chair down. They would come, put the high chair down, pick up your kid, buckle them in, set up their stuff for them. You know, they were just really so accommodating. So I just find that almost everywhere I've been, people are really accommodating of children. And I don't think people should be afraid to take them anywhere. Everywhere I've gone, I've yeah. been sometimes places I thought maybe it wouldn't be a good idea or it wouldn't be the best idea. But then it's always been great. We had that experience even on a cruise. Every time we walked into the dining hall, my son was, my son, for he's 13 now, and he still eats peas from a bowl, frozen peas. And he's been doing it since he was little. And every time we walked onto this cruise ship, you know, the kids are starving when you go to yeah. dinner, right? You're, you're going to dinner at six. They're already been right, starving right. since five o'clock. They would have a bowl of peas waiting for him. And oh, that is that's just so something sweet. so special that I've never forgotten. Like, I'll never forget that cruise. They're just like, Hey, Chaos, we've got your peas ready. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I think, too, when we were talking about going to Muslim countries, that was something that I had not experienced before. As an American, we're definitely told to be scared or concerned, and everybody feels kind of uncomfortable the first time they do it. So in, in Tanzania, we were really in the bush almost the whole time. So I wasn't really around other people. It was coming out of COVID, and so we were pretty alone most of the time with just our people that were with us traveling, the staff. But then we went to Zanzibar afterwards and that is i think 99 it's either 98 or 99 percent muslim country so i wasn't sure what to expect i was more worried about what they were going to think about me being there than i was about people being being uncomfortable or anything i was just thinking i don't want to make them uncomfortable i don't want to come into someone's country and be disrespectful and you're going to a beach destination so i was just not sure how i was going to feel i did know it has a super super low crime rate zanzibar is like on the one of the lists for safest places to go as a solo woman which is surprising if you don't know about that area very much but then i went and everybody i never felt like anybody looked at me 
funny or disapprovingly or anything like that. So I now I feel after having that experience, I feel able to consider more countries that I might have been nervous about before and say like, oh, I think I can go. I'm not, I feel much more comfortable considering Muslim countries or Muslim dominant countries. I agree with you. you. There's still some element of wanting to be respectful in that country when you're visiting. I've never felt any differently in a Muslim country compared to any other country. But there was like when we spent time in Malaysia, when I would go down to the beach, there were a lot of women in burkinis, which is right. covered head to toe, right? And I went and bought a new swimsuit. I bought like a tankini with a, a skirt because mm-hmm. I just felt that I wanted to cover up a little bit more. Then I went from Malaysia to Mexico and I felt like <laughs> a goddamn nun. So, but I agree, you should still be respectful no matter which place you're going to. And that's whether you are at a new beach some, in some Spain area or whether mm-hmm. you are in a Muslim country where everybody is a little bit more covered. But as for comfort, it was I didn't do it out of, oh, I feel everybody's looking at me. It was more right. out of respect to them. So the same with Turkey Air. A lot of people ask me, what can you wear there? Turkey um, is very liberal. Like, you can wear anything. They are all in jeans and T-shirts. You can wear shorts. You can wear crop tops. You can wear whatever you want. The only place that you need to be respectful is in the mosques and the churches. Right. And it's the same either way. If you're visiting a church in Turkey or you're visiting a mosque, you need to cover up. Mm-hmm. The great thing about Turkey is that they provide that for you. So I don't travel with a headscarf and all the rest of it. You can get it at the door for free to go into the mosque, take your pictures, look around, and then you give it back to them when you leave. But. Yeah, that's really nice. That's very like hospitable, I think, and welcoming that they um, provide it for you. Make sure you're comfortable and able to do it without just turning you away. Yeah, so I thought so as well. I thought it was very nice of them because everybody was a bit worried on my trip. What do I have to pack? I'm like, wear your shorts and t-shirts. The only time you need to cover up is when you're in a holy place. Yeah, that's awesome. Would you say when you traveled with your kids that there's any favorite tips that you have oh gosh favorite tips for traveling with kids make building enough downtime I think especially with younger kids we found you know they really needed the playground time and we used to have mommy and daddy's time and the kids time and we would say okay mommy and daddy's time we're going to this museum for a couple of hours but as soon as mommy and daddy are done with their time you get your time and we will go to an indoor playground we will go to an outdoor playground you can go home and go in the pool or watch movies and just making sure that everybody was getting a little bit of what they wanted. Traveling with younger kids is, is way, mine are teenagers now and it's right. way easier with teenagers than with younger kids <laughs> because they're keeping up with, well, I wouldn't say it's easier. I say it's different because they're keeping up with us now. You know, they don't need their downtime. They don't need that little bit right. of um, let's go to the indoor playground. But at the same time, that's also exhausting because they're now actually wanting to keep going. And I'm like, I want my downtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to take it out. <laughs> I want to sit by the pool. <laughs> Definitely. I think that's a really great tip because we have found, and actually that we found that it's easier to do in a lot of countries because especially in Europe, there's playgrounds everywhere, which is so nice because you can't easily... And with little kids, one thing is good is that they don't have a good sense of time. So you can literally stop for five minutes or 10 minutes at the playground and they feel refreshed and happy. And it doesn't have to really change your schedule or the things you wanted to do that day. But you can definitely just make a stop and make something special just for them. Get some ice cream and go down the slide a few times and then move on. But taking those little pauses to just let them get their wiggles out and be loud before you go into a quiet place where you have to sit or whatever is a great tip. Yeah, in France, my son basically went on nearly every single merry-go-round you could find. And right. that, that was it for him. <laughs> just one round, you know, on a merry-go-round, on a carousel somewhere, 
and then he was off to the next cave, to the next winery, whatever it was. Right. But yeah, right. I have so many photos of him on different carousels all over France. <laughs> <laughs> It always cracks me up in Europe. The playgrounds still have all the old school equipment that we grew up with. In America, they've gotten rid of all of those. The one that's the fun. banned now. <laughs> yeah, all the ones that are banned. The merry-go-rounds that you have to run around yourself and jump on. Or yeah. the horses that are on the giant spring that you can like get going from one end to the other. <laughs> so you can flick over. And... Right. Oh, flip over and break your nose. <laughs> But we have none of those left. I've never, I haven't seen them in America since I was a child, but it always cracks me up when I go there and watch these kids happily playing on that merry-go-round where you have 16 children hanging off of it and they're going yeah, as fast gonna, as they I'm can. I'm going to find one for you so that when you visit, you can relive your childhood. Okay? <laughs> I would. I will. I would love that. <laughs> I've got to find time to come visit you in Australia for sure. We would love that. Obviously, we got stuck here during uh, COVID, you know, which was very hard for someone who's traveled the world for five years. Oh, and yes. then boom, I couldn't leave yeah. my state, not just Ugh. my country. I couldn't leave my state. <laughs> That's awful. And it ended up being great for me because I actually had seen none of Australia at all. Yes. And I ended up getting stuck here and I ended up seeing, I think there's only one state left I haven't seen now. And when I got, or arrived back here from all my travels, I had only been to one state. So I feel better about <laughs> my country now. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I'm the same way. I was trying to talk about planning a trip to California the other day and somebody said, oh, you should go to the Redwoods. And I was like, is that by Disney? I know I don't even know how far apart these things are. When it comes to America, I can't even tell you. I don't even know. <laughs> the Redwoods is not by Disney, thank goodness. We have California and Redwoods here, so just forget California and come down oh, under. Okay, one more excuse <laughs> to go down under then. I had not been anywhere in the States hardly. And I didn't travel very much here during COVID. I was mostly just going crazy. But I remember I had a moment when you're talking about people who used to traveling, I had this moment, we'd been home for, you know, months, and we were barely even, you could barely even go to a restaurant, much less leave your state. There was everything was closed down. And I told my husband, we were doing lawn work, which I also hate. So it's definitely not helping my feeling. But I said, do you ever get the feeling that if you don't leave and get a change of scenery, you're just going to run away from your entire life screaming. And he was like, no, <laughs> no, I definitely don't. And I said, okay, well I do. And that's how I feel right now. And he was like, good to know. Let's, we'll try to plan something. I was like, I have got to get out of here. I think it would be like 20 years. I had never been in one place that long. It was very challenging. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I felt it too. But you finally went to Queensland because I know you hadn't been there. Last time I saw you, you still hadn't been to Queensland. I was like, what? Because we loved it there. So you finally went during that time of travels, right? We did. We got to the Whit Sundays and I also did Cairns and it was gorgeous. I must admit, like the best beach I've ever seen in the world was there. Whitehaven Beach there in Queensland. It's expensive. Australia's expensive, but gorgeous. So worth yes. doing. The once in a while. I, I had been to the world's second greatest barrier reef in Belize. So now I was I was happy I finally got to do the world's greatest barrier reef because I felt a bit silly being an Australian who's done the second greatest barrier reef, but not, the, <laughs> not our own. <laughs> but not your own backyard, yeah. But we went to the Great Barrier Reef and I was kind of on the fence because we're out, we were, they like took us out on a ferry and we were on um, an island and then they had like a big, huge floating dock that was like a glass bottom. We could go underneath those glass bottom. I don't know what you call it pontoon i guess and there were these thousands of huge parrotfish and they were like nibbling on the coral and stuff like right outside the window so i knew they were like right below us and everybody's like jumping off to go snorkeling and swimming and i was like i don't know if i could do this i'm so scared <laughs> and then i was like if i can't be at the great barrier roof and not get in the water and not say that i snorkeled i was like yeah. having an internal struggle but my husband and his mom went snorkeling and i was stayed on the boat 
And they came back and they're like, oh my gosh, there were these sea turtles and they were right next to us. And it was so amazing. And I was like, okay, this is stupid. I'm going to do it. But I forced myself to do it because I was in the Great Barrier Reef and I was like, I can't be here and not do it. So I tried to overcome my fear. I did it. I wouldn't say I overcame my fear. I feel the exact same way with diving and we have big sharks here. So I'm not Mm -hmm. a fan of the ocean. I do not go into the ocean here. I could go anywhere else, but here. <laughs> I don't blame and you. And then I, I felt the same thing. I said, this is such a stupid fear. There's, you got more chances of what being run over by a car or whatever it is. So I was like, I'm going to get my diving license and I'm going to overcome this fear. And so we were in Mexico. I got my diving license. Good for you. But it didn't. It didn't go away. Like it was still really hard to get in the water. Yeah. And my last dive was in Hawaii in 2016. We were in Hawaii. We're down at the bottom of the ocean. And I just, I got that overwhelming fear. I was like, I can't see anyone. Where's everybody gone? Oh my God, I'm (laughs) here by myself. And so I made the decision to go up. And I know you're not supposed to, but I was like, it's either that or drown under the water because I was starting to (laughs) hyperventilate. But I went up slowly. I knew my practice. So I was like, I'm just going to go up slowly. So I went up slowly. I got to the top. My instructor shot up right next to me. So obviously there were people right next to me. I just couldn't see them. (laughs) And she's like, you're not supposed to be up. And I was like, it was either that or drown. I just can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) And she was like, what if I hold your hand? And I'm like, yeah, I could do that because then yes. I know someone's with me the whole time no, instead of freaking there. out like no one's around me. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back down, 2016, went back down with her holding her hand, but I ne- I've never done it again. And really? exactly the way you, you felt yeah. then, I'm just like, I felt like I wanted to overcome it. I did a little bit, but not really. <laughs> right, right. But you can say you and did it. <laughs> I think I will say that's one thing about traveling with your kids that pushes you to do things like that. I think if my kids weren't there when things like that happen, I might be more likely to be like, it doesn't affect anybody. I don't have to do it. But knowing your kids are, are there watching you and you're always, as a traveling family, you're always encouraging them to push past their boundaries or to try something new. It feels pretty hypocritical to me to not try to do these things. Yeah. And so it also pushes me indirectly to do things that I may not feel comfortable doing. So I did the same thing. We were in Colombia a few weeks ago and they said this was a perfect night to go see the, the, lum- yeah, the lumin- bioluminescent, oh, yeah, the bioluminescent plankton. Yeah, we they said this is a perfect night. There's no moon, so you can see the, see it really well. And I was like, okay. I didn't really think it through. I just agreed to it. But then we go out on the boat, and there's no moon. It's so dark. And then they take you out to an even darker place. And then you have to get out of the boat and get in the water. You can see literally nothing. nothing. And uh, so scary. I'm holding Jillian, and we're walking in the water, and like seaweed or something touches my leg. And I'm like trying not to have a complete freak out because I'm holding her. And <laughs> if I freak out, she'll freak out. So I like jump, you know, weird with my legs. And he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. I'm fine. And so we go out there. We see the luminescent plankton. But still, like, I'm so thinking the whole time, like, I don't know what's in here. I can't see. I don't know if there's fish or seaweed or trash. Things touch you sometimes in the ocean. And I felt better because there was these two French girls on the boat with us. And they were saying, like, they were at their limit. Like, they had reached their bravery limit. And they wanted to go back. And I was like, me too. So we all got back in the boat. And we said we all, we earned a bravery badge that day because we got in a pitch black ocean. It's definitely good to push push your limits and having your kids and showing them that they can do do things they're afraid of and it'd be okay is, is an awesome lesson. I think that they can, even if they don't remember each experience, they can learn that they can do something even when they're scared or nervous. And it carries through when we were talking right at the beginning about whether your kids remember your trip or not. They might not remember the time I was in Mexico. We jumped off a two meter into a two meter cenote mm-hmm. and they don't really remember. I remember it very clearly. But now that they're teenagers, we just did a hike in Bali and we came to a watering hole with a two meter drop. And they, both of my teenagers are like, yeah, I'm going to do it easy. And I didn't <laughs> want to do it. I sat on the, yeah. on the cliff face just watching them. But I was like, 
I wonder if something inside them tells them, I've already done this before. It's simple. Yes, I, I totally think that it does. And I love I love that they can take those lessons away. So Erin, thank you so much for being here. I could chat with you for hours and days all about travel and travel with kids. I hope that you'll come back another time so we can tell some more travel stories. But in the meantime, can you let everybody know where they can find you on the internet to check out your adventures? For sure. Everyone can check me out on Explore with Erin and I am on everything. You can name it. I've got a website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I know I feel a little bit old to be on TikTok, but I'm on TikTok. (laughs) You're doing great. (laughs) Much to the disgrace of my daughter. (laughs) She's always saying how all her friends at school are following me. So yeah, you can find me everywhere. Explore with Erin. Awesome. I love it. And if you want to check out my socials, you can follow me at Flip Flops and Adventures on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And my I have a brand new website. It's flipflopsandadventures.com. So thanks again for being here, Erin, and happy adventuring. See you later, mate.